0: They realized what was happening, that his heart stopped and that my heart uh, heart rate was plummeting and there was no time for any sort of epidural or any sort of medication. If they put anything in me, I would have, there was a risk of me going in total shock. So they had to strap me down and we had cut him out. And as soon as he could come out, then they could medicate me.
1: Hello, welcome back to the second episode of January. I imagine that a few of you are doing dry January, which is why this is coming out now with Sarah. She was someone I found on Facebook that was talking about a challenge she did and how it changed her life. What's different about Sarah's story is that it's not like she was what we typically see in the movies of somebody say down and out and drinking too much and needing to change their life around and then finds running. She was winning races. She was married, she had two sons, she was a volunteer coach. She's been doing triathlons and ultras and coming in first in a lot of the races that she was doing, but still decided, maybe I'll eliminate alcohol for a little bit. And even with how well her life was going already, she still saw some major changes. So I'm excited to have this one out. I do have to say we had some difficulties. Her computer was supposed to have an update and we really wanted to try to get it in. Scheduling can be tricky. So I tried a different form of recording. It's not as clear as most episodes are. I think it's still great. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> it doesn't sound exactly the same. But the story is good enough that I don't think it will change your opinion on the episode. This episode is brought to you by Neck. So if you are looking at your races and you're looking for race fuel and you want a company that is working with sustainable ingredients and sustainable packaging, I 100% recommend NACBAR and you can use discount code TRW for 15% off. They are doing fantastic things for the community. They're Canadian, but you can get it um, all over North America, possibly farther. Double check that. Um, And I'm really excited to be working with them in 2022. So Go ahead and check them out. Use discount code TRW. Um, The bars as well, I'll just say, have the best consistency of all time ever. The other thing you can do for prepping for race season is go to gooder.com backslash TRW to check out my favorite Gooder sunglasses and get yourself some. That discount code is TRW15 for 15% off. And you guys know how much I love Gooder. If you see me on Instagram at Hillsport55, I have a pair now in every color possible, They are so fun. They're polarized. They don't slip and they don't bounce, but they actually work. So with my new tennis career, I've also been getting matching pairs for my tennis skirts. Uh, So get some. Go check them out. Let me just tell you a couple of the names just so that you get an idea. We have $9 pour over, a ginger soul, going for Hallow Witness. I mean, does it get any better? They're fun. They're fun. Running is fun. I'm fun. You guys are fun. Gooder.com. I think that's it, if you guys wanna leave a five star review or just even hit the rating button, that really helps people find us and keep reaching out on Instagram. I love hearing from you guys and um, this has been fun. Thank you for all your support over the last while as per usual and that's my kid getting mad because his breakfast is over.
2: Okay, I'm here today with Sarah Maltby. I love that you are definitely a typical trail runner because I had her write me a short bio and nowhere in this bio do you say, I basically win every race that I've ever ran, and then I look I at your ultra sign-up, and you're absolutely <laughs> crushing as well. So, I'm so excited to, to see everything through your story. Welcome to the show. So excited to be here. Thanks. So, you are a, you were born in Nashville, and you're currently in mm-hmm. Georgia, and how old are you? I'm 43. Wow. Okay. So. The main thing we're going to chat about, too, after we get through your story is that I actually just mm. saw your post on Facebook about giving up drinking. And I think that's a topic that yeah. we don't discuss enough on the show. And I want to hear, um, especially since you were winning before, how it affected your performance and all that. But yeah. before we get yeah. to that, why don't you give a history on your life as a runner and how you found the trails and when you started racing?
0: Um, so I, I didn't get, I was not a runner growing up. I had awful asthma, um, and lung damage from black mold as a child. Um, so I was not physically active at all until, um, my mid twenties when I, my employer who is, um, a, a prominent, uh, doctor in Nashville, he and his group of runners were just part of the actual scene. Um. And I worked with him for years, and for years I always thought they were crazy. They would go do all these adventure races and stuff, and I always supported him. And then he would always um, man the last water station of the country music um, marathon. Like, there's an eighth of a mile, and he would always have his aid station there for runners. And, like, the first year I would help him, first couple years I helped him, I was like, this is ridiculous. These people are crazy, you know? But then the next year there was the year in um two thousand three where I had started looking at things differently. I had had some medical issues going on and some severe depression. My weight was up, my asthma was out of control, and I'm at this water station helping all these people and there's like all this weird feelings going on inside me <laughs> watching these people about to finish, you know, twenty six miles and then I see this, um older gentleman coming in to the aid station and just cruising on through. And he's carrying his actual oxygen tank on little wheels. And I realized he's about to finish a marathon carrying an oxygen tank. And it became like, he probably has like, I don't know what medical condition he had, but my lifelong asthma meant nothing. Like it was just an actual punch in the gut. And I left the race after we cleared everything up, and I left, and I went to the ATM, and I cleaned out, only I didn't have much in there, but <laughs> I cleaned out my bank account and went and got a pair of running shoes and a sports bra, and so that was in April of 2003, and I joined a couch, the Savannah, the um, Nashville Striders Couch to Five k program the next week, and that was like May 1st, and then it took me from may 1st to august and i ran my first 5k and my boss was so sweet like he i would be so excited when i would come in and tell him like i ran a mile like i would go with my car i didn't have a watch or anything like that um so i would go use my car to map out a mile and that would be the route i would go and then like i would walk it and then the next couple days later after you know my body stopped hurting um i would go and run it and so then after the 5K in August, he he was so supportive. Like he would take me to other little races, and um, he kind of tricked me into like my, my first half marathon. <laughs> and he started inviting me to his his group runs, not like just the Nashville Striders, but his friends' group runs. And it was it completely changed my life. Completely changed my world. Um, and and then, like years, like I think it was in twenty in two thousand and five. To the two two years later, I did my first marathon, and so um, and it just took off from there. Like
2: I, I, it all changed my world. Um, well, before we move and, on, you kind of yeah. said quickly you had um, black mold issues in your lungs. So
0: yeah. two questions: yeah.
2: I had scarring. Did the doctors or someone tell you, like, not to pursue things because of this issue? And that was kind of what you were living by before you saw this fellow? And then also, how did your lungs respond when you did start to treat? So (laughs) um,
0: I really couldn't run. I couldn't do anything like that. I was sick all the time, like all the time. I had pneumonia. I had, uh, like, my asthma. I lived with an inhaler around my neck. As all on constant medication. We never could get it controlled until um, I started running and I just put, I had an inhaler on a chain that I would shove down in my sports bra and I took it with me. And I still, even in the winter months to this day, like I will probably, I might have an inhaler shoved down in my bra or somewhere, um, like big races where I have to go. I don't have access to something, I'll have an, an emergency inhaler in there. I lived in Korea for three years, um, several years ago, and the weather was different, so there was always an inhaler.
2: <laughs> she wow. in my
0: <laughs> now, I don't always need it, but I panic sometimes if I don't, and so it's just, it's always around, and, I, I, and when people tell me, like, oh, I have asthma, I can't run, I'm like, oh, yes, you can.
1: I have a sub-three
0: marathon. Sub marathon with an inhaler shoved down my bra.
2: You can do it. Wow. <laughs> you can do whatever
0: you want.
2: <laughs> when you started doing races, and you, it's like that's so cool that your boss brought you into his group. I feel like yes. that type of inclusion into a community is such a huge part of it. Um, yes. Did you start to feel like those other, you said you were always sick, those other sicknesses kind of started to improve just with you getting healthy? It did. Yeah. yeah,
0: so the, yeah, and then, like, the next time, like, you know, after seeing my doctor, he's like, you know, your lungs are strengthening, uh, you're improving, like, your health, like, the weight fell off. Um, uh, or, uh, it was just out there, and then having the confidence to, to not be terrified to go on a hike, you know, like, am I going to have to go to the hospital after that? No, no. You have an inhaler. You have, you know, friends. You have confidence, like it just built my confidence. Like it gave me also, you know, the, the confidence to, I've been in a 10 year long relationship that was going nowhere. And it gave me confidence to be strong and say, this isn't working anymore. Um, and it, I felt like it gave me a voice at a, a big character building time in my life, mainly in your 20s, like your mid 20s, to finally gain a voice for yourself, to advocate for things. Um, and running did that and, and having strong, strong women runners, you know, in my life that were saying, yes, you need to say these things and just being inspired by them all the time. And, and men and that, that group inspired me to, to do the same. So like when we moved to, you know, I married, um, a military man. And the Army and I had a family. We moved to um, Seoul, South Korea in 2010. And um, I was one of the the early members of the Seoul Flyers Running Club. And it was a group for expats uh, over there. And we, we ended up, I was thinking I was like member number 30. And when I left three years ago, we were over 300. And we traveled all over that peninsula. But we also did, like, Japan. We also um, raced, like, Great Wall of China Marathon. But we've raced uh, every other weekend sometimes
1: through those three (laughs) years.
0: Yeah, like, we traveled everywhere. Uh, South Korea is such a huge running community and culture. Like, on the weekends, you go race. And you could race anything from a 5K to, like, a 50-miler for, like, 25, 30 bucks.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, funny. So I actually much, have a yeah. few people from there that I chat to on Instagram. And I didn't realize it was so big over there either. And they're, like, sending me photos. Mm-hmm. It looks just beautiful.
0: It is. Gosh, it's beautiful. Like, there's the mountain racing culture. And then there's, like, the, the city culture racing. Um, and if you got fast and you worked hard and you got fast, you could bring home some massive prizes. And that was oh, a cool. big inspiration. Because before that, like, I was just, like, a fun runner. But – you know, over there it was like, wow, this is a different culture, and then it was exciting. Like, I had friends. Like, I didn't, I didn't lose, I didn't lose all my friends when I went. You know, moved to another country. It's like I made another running family for myself.
2: Um, and I love. More. I love what you people. said that it like. Sorry, I just want to touch on what you said yeah. too. That it running gave you a voice. I think that's like such a huge yeah. part of this podcast as well, and such a theme that we find that they're like. Yeah. I can do this. I'm now strong enough to do whatever I want to do in my life. Definitely. Um, And I think you were kind of starting to get there, but let's connect the dots between I have asthma I can't run, I run my first 5K, and then I get to my first half marathon, to, like you said, a sub-three-hour marathon. Was it in Korea or, like, how?
0: (laughs) No. Um, So, okay. So, being in Korea, though, there is – those three, like those, are three huge formative years for me as a person, as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, and as a runner. But in that too, that I had my second child in Seoul, and um, he he, it was an emergency delivery. Um, he got his cord wrapped around his neck. Uh, he was six weeks premature, and unfortunately, to save his life and possibly mine, I had to have an all-natural C-section. And what? it was there. The doctors said, "You know, we're we're going to try and save him." And this is not in English. This is all uh, through an interpreter in broken English. Um, so, you know, they they say we're going to try to save him and you. And so it, we went. We it was like not something that I wish on anyone. Can um, you
2: confirm what an all natural C-section is?
0: They realized what was happening: that his heart stopped and that my heart. Uh, heart rate was plummeting, and there was no time for any sort of epidural or any sort of medication. If they put anything in me, I would have, there was a risk of me going in total shock. So oh they had to strap me down and we, uh, we cut him out. And as soon as he could come out, then they could medicate me. But your brain had, my brain had to, you know, in only a few moments of, tra- of trauma, what was actually happening. Um, And then after that, you know, he came out beautiful and and perfect and healthy. Uh, We were – it was another moment more, and I could have a a child with, you know, an actual um, damage. So, um, and – Oh, my God. Yeah. So, in that, though, being over there, there were no services for – Mental health for um, for spouses, military spouses. There, there just wasn't there, and so I came out of that m- mentally uh, ill, and I didn't. I didn't have services. I didn't even know how to talk about it because anytime, time I tried to kind of did talk about it, I couldn't even articulate what actually happened or what my brain was doing, and so. You know, and you try to talk about it, and obviously, you know, you you get emotional, and the first thing that people would say, because they don't know how to respond to it, is you're okay, and your child is okay. So for several years, it shut it, like, my brain was shut down, but I realized that it. I ended up six weeks later jumping right into racing. Like, I did a full half marathon six weeks later after a a C-section. I I was already up on the mountain. Like, I, my brain had to do something. Like, it it couldn't, like, I I didn't realize then I had PTSD. Right. So, like, my brain was just like, we have to do something, you have to do something. Like, this isn't, I couldn't really stop it. Um, Like, I was already running marathons, like, 100 days. A 100 days I was running marathons, like, every month. Um. So then we moved back to fast forward. I was basically burning myself into the ground. So I did like at that point, um, less than a year later, it was, I PR'd my half marathon, which I hadn't really broken 130 before that. And then I went down to 124. Um, and then like had a coach who was really pressuring me to do more, but he didn't realize at this point I was in my thirties, um, i had a C section, I was a full time mom. My husband was deployed a lot in Korea. And I couldn't perform up to what he his expectations were. And I that it killed me that I couldn't I couldn't live up to these like expectations. No matter how how far I could push my comma, my body would just tell me no. So then we moved back to the States and I kinda took a little short break because there was a lot going on here. Like you moved back to the States and you can't run half marathons and marathons for the same cost uh, here in the States as you could in Korea. And they weren't as, they weren't like every weekend. So that's kind of stumbled upon this, the ultra scene. Um, Low country ultras was a big one here. They're over in South Carolina. Um, they were like the rough runner style. Um, there was a group here that was, um, well, yeah. And so i was like, you know, I'm going to, I've done a few 50 Ks um, and they were fun. But I hadn't done anything else outside of ultra. I really never thought, you know, I could I could do any of that. Um, but it was cheaper and it was more available. <laughs> so, so I signed up for like a fifty k, met the whole group, and then kind of signed up for my fifty mile. And then that running group, the groups again, they're so inclusive, and I I wanted to be part of it again. I needed I needed to like established within another running community and family. Um, because I'm just a I'm an awful social butterfly. <laughs> and so um so yeah, so that's how I kinda got into ultras. And then in um, that that first fall going into all of our soul flyer friends were meeting for a reunion at Marine Corps. And this was twenty thirteen. And we were we couldn't decide if we were gonna fun run it or what. And we all meet out there, and some of us were, you know, in more distant shapes than others. And I had just been doing ultras all summer. And I was like, there's no way I can do anything speedy. Like, I hadn't, I think my PR at that time was like a 306. Um, Which me is quite speedy. Do. I don't think you can say
2: I can't do <laughs> anything. It's not like, you, <laughs> not like that. you know, not
0: like, but not like, not like sub three. Like, that was, that to me, that was always like a pipe dream.
2: Like that was well, and that's never really happen seems, like a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Like, if yeah. you could run a sub three man or woman, that is so impressive.
0: Yeah. So, I just never, and I, like, I just always seem to fail past 124. Like, I could go out and do like a 124, or 126 half, like every couple of weekends, not a big deal, but I could not break that 124. Like, I would go out and do three O's or three teams, never could get past that 306. You know, so it's just one of the things, like, it's just not going to happen. But then we went out, we all met friends. For the Marine Corps, and my running partner from Korea, he's like, "I want you to to try this. I'll, I'll be with you. Like, let's just go for it." And he waited till the night before to even push it because he knew I would, I would, I would say no. Like, um, I don't have the courage to do it. And so he gave me the little mini plan, and he knows what I do. Like, I write it on a piece of paper and I'll tuck it like in my hand or you know my bra or something with the splits, and. We went out that morning, and I came in at 2.58, exactly to the plan, and, um you know, when you finish and you pull it off, and you're like, shit, like, I did it, you know, and I still had energy, and it was one of those things where it's like, um, yeah, I, I did it. I checked it off, and so, unfortunately, it gave me... <laughs> I and in the area, I kind of got labeled, like, fast. But I wasn't really into, like, I had, I got approached to, like, maybe go do, Olymp- like, try for Olympic trials and shit. But I didn't really know I had small kids. I just, I didn't think I could ever do it again. So, and that's why I I got, I got really into the ultra scene. So, that's what I did. And I, and and thrill of that, like, I think I did my first 100 miler and um. Uh, 2014. And throughout this, I had not seen anybody about my mental health. Um, and also, uh, because we have been discussing about alcohol after that time period, after that, the birth, I think alcohol became a little more prominent in my life. I think I was kind of medicating with it a little bit more than ever. Like, it wasn't just, like, it was just kind of always around. It was always around in Korea. I mean, they're kind of a drinking culture as well. So, it was just always around. And especially, I think, in the ultra community, you see it a lot more. You see everyone passing around, and I'm just as guilty of this, passing around bottles of booze, you know? Um, and so, it was, booze was always around. <laughs> You're running ultra. You're running a hundred mile. How many shots are you going to take? <laughs> um, so the, it was just kind of always in there. But my first one hundred mile was at 2014, and the last two miles, I ended up having a mental break. And I ended up all the triggers were there, and I ended up having like reliving the whole birth trauma. At mall ninety eight. <laughs> Um, after that, my husband actually saw what was happening and he got me into um, a PTSD, a, a women specific PTSD doctor. And I was with her until um, she retired in uh, January 2020. Um, changed a lot. Changed, I mean, changed my whole thought process on you can't use your pain, you can't use your traumas <laughs> as fuel. <laughs> because it, uh, it'll it stick with you later and it'll haunt you.
2: That's so interesting because um, it's like, that's so clear too, right? Just listening yeah. to you tell your story, it's like, you didn't change anything for training. Someone just told you you're going to run sub three today, and it was a yeah. mental thing for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure it's like, and my friends ask me now, like, oh, if you've pushed out a baby, does doing intervals feel like it's not as hard? And I'm like, well, I don't really compare it, but if I'd had the experience you did that it's like, yeah, like pain of pushing the last 10 miles is never going to compare, but Mm -mm. it doesn't work long-term. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's where I, I, I... (laughs) yeah, it's, it's hard at the time to look long-term out of things. When you've got something so big and so hard in front of you, right? Then it's better to just take baby bites on it. Right. Um and that's how I've, I I kind of got into like with competitive ultra racing as well. Baby bites, baby bites, baby bites,
2: um, which I think is smart. And it seems like trail run is becoming so trendy that now it's like, oh, I want to run a fifty k as my first race, and then my second race will be a hundred miler, and like that's not a great <laughs> either.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not like that. I'm a baby bike person because, I, I, and that comes from. You know, being an only child, being, you know, uh, with my childhood history, and then being sick on top of it, and then always just doing little things and trying to be safe. And I know a lot of people won't really get that. I mean, not everyone has, can be so brave all the time. But baby bites, man, they will get you there if you just, if you just trust in yourself and you trust in the process. And I do that with a lot of things. I love that. Yeah, and I know people. a lot of people don't have the patience for it. But no, you're, I don't you're totally like, right. Uh, yeah, it's like I, don't, I can take a risk in what I'm doing, but I might be a little slower about the process to get there.
2: But in a sport like ultra, that is going to continue to get there, I think, over time as yeah. well, which is what we're seeing when we look at your ultra sign up and it's like even with everything you've been through – consistently doing so well so you kind of talked a bit about there like you're gonna get into therapy but drinking was starting Mm -hmm. to be something that you relied on maybe it wasn't obvious if it was affecting your performance or anything um but talk us through like how bad did it get um and then what was it that made you think like maybe I just should try without this so the, I had,
0: um, I, a few years ago, I tore my hip label
2: and
0: I got, um, a little derailed with that, with, uh, doing some ultras because distance, it became like, I had to become a quality of a quantity thing with my hip and 2016 was like a big year for me with racing. And then 2017, I my hip dysfunction came back, and it had leached into my pelvis. And instead of taking a break, you know, being reasonable, I was still racing. But in that, I was also self-medicating. Like, I think alcohol had kind of come in. Like, it, at that point, I think it became, like, not just weekends or, like, I don't know, more like five, you know, Closer to like a glass of wine and up, and also in 2017, like by the end of that year, I couldn't function without pain. Um, my hip and pelvis were like critical mass, and Jan, like, and then in 2018, going into just going to get some treatment for it, they're like, if you don't stop, we're gonna have to take your hip. Like you're you're gonna be a, a 40 year old. So I quit running. Like right then I was like, I'll stop. I'll stop. Um and I did and it was what it was was some of the hardest of my life. Like though I like there were times I thought I I cannot live without learning. Um I I just didn't think I could. So and then being here I had some friends who were in who were into triathlon. They're like, Hey, come to the pool. Come learn laps. Uh hey, here like my mom gave me her bike. She like, hey, do you want to go ride my bike? I didn't know how to ride a bike. I didn't know how to ride a bike without training wheels. Um, and I had friends learning me bikes and friends, like, saying, hey, let's go to the pond and swim. And I didn't swim in open water. It wasn't a pool. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do laps. And so the local tri-club was like, we know you can't run, but when you can run, you can be ready. So you can swim and you can bike. So I learned how to ride a road bike. <laughs> and then. And then a few months later, um, I did, like, my first ever triathlon, and it was the Olympic distance. And then my hip was improving, like, amazingly. And then physical therapy is like, go for a run, but don't do a marathon. They're like, don't do marathon distance. Don't don't eat up the hip. Let it have it rest. So for two years, I did triathlons. And I did, like, my first uh, full Ironman 2019. And in those two years, like my hip did, like it recovered well. Um, a lot of improvement in there though. There was the alcoholic. I was still just like probably a glass of wine a night, if not more. And so then we get to, um, 2020 and we have the pandemic starts and my, um, my dear friends who were, who, You know, with our running community here, like my partner in crime, like uh, my buddy Matt and he and his wife, um, who's, they're just so important in our local running community. They moved out to uh, Louisiana. And again, it like, I think it just sent me into like a spiral Uh, because here we are in a pandemic. (laughs) Like it's just the apocalypse, right? (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, my this like his friend leaves me, and, you know, we, I just, I think I drank, like, every night. And through these last couple of years, too, I really started having, like, some hormonal issues, bloating. Like, I would see pictures, and I was like, who is that? Like, I used to have, like, great abs, and then you couldn't even see my abs. You couldn't see anything, but I was still doing all the same workouts, all the same stuff, and, and it just, and it was like, oh, you know, you're in your 40s now. So I think I let, I kind of gave up trying to look like my old self and perform like my old self. In 2020, I just started signing up for virtuals because we really locked it down because um, we had two small kids. My oldest son has asthma. I have asthma. Um, so we, you know, homeschooled the kids and I did virtuals. I did like 3,000 miles, mostly by myself, a lot of by myself and a virtuals last year. Um drink a lot. <laughs> and then this year, you know, I get vaccinated kind of this did uh it's in January. And I had to I was so nervous to go back to like racing in person in the fifty mile, which is actually my very favorite distance. And um I was surprised at the win. But then like the whole summer I just I you no know, I just didn't hormones are crazy. My periods have been awful. Like, for the past three or four years, my periods have been just awful. And um, we are looking at fibroid surgery maybe in the beginning of this year. So, I got a breakthrough case of COVID. I'm vaccinated, but I got a really bad case in August. Barely kept myself out of the hospital. And it was very it was a big eye-opener. We lost one of our friends was not vaccinated. She was a mom and a runner and she died the same week that um that I had it. And uh, it was tough. Like I wanted to look forward to stuff and um we, oh, that doesn't make any sense. But then and we did a race at the very at the end of September and there was a photograph. Like my two running buddies that I'm running with. The photographer caught them. And they look like bronze gods. You know, they're amazing runners and guys and stuff. they were bronze, here's my picture. And I wasn't sure how I managed to look both bloated and sunken and all the things I was like, this is what I look like now. This is and I look like I look unhealthy. So my husband, he he had done like a thirty day no alcohol stint in August. And uh, he's like, "Hey, you want to do October? No, no drink." And I was like, "Yes, like yes, fuck yes! Like I need to do something. I got to do something." And I thought, you know, there's no way I like I didn't I didn't think I drank enough that it would do anything. But at like day 12, I like my body detoxed, and it was a rough few days. And then, uh, but it was easier with him doing it. So the whole time, you're just thinking, "Okay, you know, this is just a 31 day thing." And then I had, we went out to Allison Woods to support, um, our buddies, uh, Matt and Cole, who went into since May, uh, for the Allison Woods Halloween hobble. And everyone there is like having a great time and drinking. And I'm like, I am not doing like, I'm not drinking this month. And it was so weird saying it out loud. I mean, it was kind of like a record stop (laughs) when you, when you said it. And I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I have been feeling, I've been starting to sleep a little better. Like, there was just some changes. Now, this was only, like, 18 days. And then we got to the end of the month. And I am like, you know, I've got my, I've got a marathon in November. I think I'm just going to start feeling great. Like, my that first period of October was fantastic. Like, it was the lightest period in years. I was like, I wonder if it's coincidence or if it, is isn't coincidence. So I wanted to wait till after my Flying Monkey Marathon in November. And at the end of Flying Monkey Marathon, there's my very favorite beer. It's my hometown beer, Ciazoo. They got their beer tent. Like, you know, I'm going to have a beer at the end of the race. And that would be like, you know, my first drink in however many, like a month and a half. And we got there, finished my race, went to the beer tent, and I realized I didn't even want it. I was more interested in the... The experiment of is this next period going to be as easy as the last one? So I'm like, I'm, I don't even want it. Like, I moved on, gonna wait till after my period, my November period. Well, that one came and it was fantastic. It was even easier than October. So I went to, like, I, I need to go, I need to, you know, see my gynecologist for that early December appointment because we were supposed to be discussing to schedule fibroid surgery. Now this, like my weight was I don't really lost a couple pounds, but I lost like three inches in my waist. Um I my guts were balancing out. I wasn't having like daily diarrhea. Um uh the bloat was basically gone. I could wear pants from several years before. I was sleeping, like actually getting full night sleep, which I hadn't done in a decade. Um so when I went and talked to her and I told her what was going on, she's like, "That's amazing! I think you just avoided thyroid surgery." And you know, and I told her about the you know cutting out alcohol, and she and how like I, it was such a positive effect. And she gave me a hug and she said, "I wish more of my patients would could do the same to you know avoid some of these surgical procedures or some of these hormonal issues that they don't realize alcohol might actually be." causing or worsening. And we actually hugged and started crying in the, in the exam room. And so I realized then that I don't, I didn't want it. I, I, I was at the tiki bar with my husband and the bartender was so sweet, was just making me seltzers with wine. And I sat there and talked to all these Outdoor, like, outside of beautiful resort, and outside with people, and had a great time. I can actually have a fantastic time with a shelter or hot chocolate. I have discovered you can have hot chocolate without bourbon in it. You're new. Um, <laughs> you can actually have a, a great time with people. I can – I do have anxiety. I think I'm an anxious person, but my moods have completely – like has, not completely, but have very much evened out. There are things that would have triggered me and sent me into an entire spiral. But now it's like, huh, well, that sucks. Moving on. Um, once you remove the alcohol out of your life and you see all the places you would have actually picked up the drink, you would have consumed that. Like, oh, like after my post-long run, I would have always had a beer. Uh, after like making dinner, oh, I would have had a glass of wine. Oh, going out with friends, I was probably gonna be margaritas. It's probably gonna be beer. I love beer. Um You know, there's all these things that once you remove it, you don't realize how how stuck in your life it is. And then when you feel like, is this what normal is? Like these moods, it's like, dang, like I don't I don't need to drink alcohol to have a good time. I don't need Alcohol to be Sarah. I am Sarah. This is Sarah. This is, you know, this is a, a physically, mentally healthiest Sarah in years. So, and I feel like I have the voice for the first time to say it. Like, you don't like me? Okay, cool. I don't care. And I, I really probably. Couldn't have been honest about that in the past. You know, there's been moments of clarity these past several weeks of, you know, why you kind of drink, about how it is in the culture, uh, how we're groomed to drink from as teenagers to be prepared to drink as adults. And that's not right. You know, you don't have to drink to be in a social setting. You don't have to drink to be your best you. Because it's just a perception. So you be you. Maybe find out who you is, which is what I've had to do, Who is without having an actual chemical in my system.
2: So I like myself better. <laughs> uh, for the first time in maybe 167 interviews, I have, don't know what to say. There are- <laughs> so many things that you just said that I was like oh my god oh my god um first i'm so sorry about your friends and mm-hmm. everything that you've been through and it seems like i guess both running and drinking were kind of like your coping mechanism that was like how much can you just have going on all the time right and that oh yeah a away like you can just tell how like serene you feel basically and calm and that like you like you said just Sarah can handle anything and you don't need this stuff like what a remarkable yeah. place to be
0: yeah it's it's and and I would have never like if right now I pulled a hamstring after my last uh race right? and I've been in I've been in some pain and and uh I'm trying to get into physical therapy and chiropractor and fixing all it. And I, I realize, like, with my race, I have scheduled next month. I'm probably not going to be able to do that distance. I'm probably going to drop down. Because even if I could physically do it, I probably shouldn't because it's going to shut me back. But I have not peace with it. I've already made that decision. Drinking Sarah would be an absolute torment. Like emotional torment, like the whole thing. This one is, now nah, I'm at peace with it. I'm going to go ahead and drop that distance next month and recover because I've got bigger races in the spring. Drinking Sarah would not have done that. Drinking Sarah would be crying about it and not sleeping about it at night because I'm not going to get to perform. Or worse, drinking Sarah would have just gone and gone for it anyway and probably made the whole thing a million times worse. Yeah or failed, and then, like, completely destroyed myself mentally about it later. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> been, like, yeah. <laughs> especially the, like, ne- needs to perform, when it's like, uh-huh. if, if you don't do that, it doesn't change who you are, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it, do yeah. you feel like relationships with your husband and your kids have shifted? Say that again. Do you think your relationships with your husband with your husband uh singular and your kid plural has uh shifted at all? Um, I,
0: th- I think it may be a little too soon for that. Um I've always tried to be so present for my my children. Um they are the most important things in my world. Um, so, I've always tried to be present for them and they, um, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Something's beeping. Um, I think that would just take more time. I think we'll, we'll know more after the holidays. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think but- it just will take it's more time. It's just because they, just- they don't even, yeah, because the kids don't even know that I, I didn't make it a thing. Like, this wasn't meant to be like, oh, I'm never going to drink again. And that's what I've tried to explain to some of my friends, because I don't want it to, I don't want them to think they can't be them with me. Um, I don't want them. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, the whole weekend we have friends and I mix drinks for people. I'm going to support you whether you want me to mix you a drink or you don't want to have a drink at all. So I think some of those relationships are going to have to balance out on their own over time. And I do get asked a lot, like, "Are you gonna start drinking again? Are you gonna like have a beer?" And it's like, you know, right now, I know I I'm, I'm I don't want to frustrate with anyone with it, but I know I'm kind of vague because in my head it's kind of vague too. Um, and I don't want to. That makes sense. Say, I'm never going to drink again, because I think that's probably unrealistic, but to me, it's not worth it. And I don't feel like I need to drink. I don't want to drink. Um, I got to smell everyone's beers and some <laughs> of those beers that I I remember so well. Like, just smelling it gave me that fantastic memory. Of, I know what that that service oyster stout tasted like off of that scent, you know? Um, like sniffing my friend's Prosecco, <laughs> like I know that that was like that used to be like a cup of happiness, you thought, until later when you had headaches or your guts were bloated, or you know, you couldn't do your, your long run the next day because you're in the bathroom from um, what you drank.
2: And so, I you kind of nailed it on the head before, too, where you're like, you weren't after. Sitting, like, you weren't after the acid that makes alcohol. You were after the social situation of relaxing with yeah. your friends sitting at the bar and like yeah. you, the drink doesn't matter.
0: Right. Like, I didn't even like being drunk. I mean, there's that moment of like when you like to be tipsy, but I mean, everything else was just awful.
2: Totally. So- <laughs> <laughs> and then it's too much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I hate myself. And then it just turns into this whole like never ending, like, loop that you can't get out of you know it's like oh you know and then you don't want to drink for a week and then then you know and then you go back out and then you have like I'm just going to have a glass of wine and maybe you do but then it goes back to the next day you're doing it and then like your guts are upset you're not sleeping you don't like yourself well then you don't like yourself and then you're like well I'm depressed well now I'm just going to have a glass of wine because I'm depressed you know, and it just doesn't stop until you actually just stop and give it a 30 days. And then, even after 30 days, like, I wasn't really seeing a whole lot. That was just the beginning. And I feel like I'm still in the beginnings. So I'm 70, I don't know, yeah. Let's see, my last drink was uh, the last day of September. So, I'm still just now seeing improvements, like, with my skin. I get excited to go to sleep because I know I'm actually going to sleep for the yeah. most part. Or before I dreaded it, like know oh, I'm going to sleep like an hour, <laughs> you know, I feel like garbage the next morning, um, and then you got to get up and go perform for your, you know, your training runs or your your race or, you know, f- for your crazy self, and it just doesn't stop. So that's why I'm, I'm more excited about the future of racing. Yeah, it'll be amazing. Being, like. I mean, I'm in my 40s, so I know I'm way past my peak, but um, I kind of, like, sometimes there's that, there's that, um, like, the dumb Toby Key song, I'm as good once as I ever was. So, (laughs) it kind of pops in my head. (laughs) Maybe I can pull off some, like, you know, amazing middle-aged lady, like, epic shit next
2: year or the next year or so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't make me laugh. I'm going to cough. That was funny. Um, I, I 100% believe that you can. And I am super stoked to see kind of what what happens. And um, I, ha- I have to wrap up here pretty quick. My my kid just yeah. woke up. But a couple of things that are sticking out. Like one thing is, I think listening to you might give people who are having a glass of wine every night, and that's it, the freedom to say like, that's enough to want to stop. I think sometimes we think that, like, if you're not getting loaded every night that right. you're, like, it's all or nothing. But, like, you're winning 100-mile races. You're winning crazy races while you're drinking. And it's very easy to say, like, maybe I just don't need it at all, even if it is only a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. But I just give people the chance. Yeah. okay? Um and then so if somebody did want to stop, what are your tips if they're, like, it's just so hard? Like you said that first time when it was, like, mic drop moment when you said you weren't going to drink. How do you get through that moment?
0: So I think, one thing is that just, if, like, if you're, your close family isn't fully supportive, that's fine. Like, you don't need someone to be fully supportive of you in a decision. It's your decision. You get to make that decision. Um. There are little things that whenever I noticed, like, hey, I would normally, like, I would stop myself at the fridge, the beer fridge and the garage because it was a habit. Um, And instead, I would, I ordered um, fun herbal teas. So I would, like, oh, I would have just gotten a beer as a habit. So instead, I went and made an herbal tea. Um, And instead of my long run beer, I went and made, like, a warm moon. so, not don't replace it with sugary stuff because yeah, your sugar, your sweet teeth might go into overload because it's used to the sugars of alcohol. Um, and even if you're not addicted, that's the thing. There, it, it, I think it's a, it's scary and intimidating to think if I stop drinking, what if I find out I'm addicted to it? Mm-hmm. Most of us are not addicted to it. It's a habit. It's a it's a habit that actually affects our lives like smoking. Um that you're you're addicted to nicotine, whereas most of us are not addicted to alcohol. We're addicted to the habit of it and the social aspects of it. So just replace it. Replace it with something else. Like I have got myself all these different like sodas, um, soda waters, like herbal teas, you know, and if you need to you need to talk someone, reach out. We out and talk to anyone. You can even, I mean, after I posted that on the Trail and Ultra Ladies page, I got so many messages of people saying, I don't even know how to start this. Like, you pick a day and you, you give it. You say, today I don't. And then you put it on your calendar. And that's what I did. And then after the, that day passed, like, you know, I'm just going to keep on going. And leave it vague if you need to. Yeah. You know, and that's what, that's what has worked for me. I've left it vague. I've left it vague with my friends who with my family, and with myself. I mean, I'm not, that way, if there's a day I do decide to have a beer or whatever, like, it, I'm not going to destroy myself over it like I normally would have, because it's not a failure, but I'm enjoying the physical the health benefits of just not. And every day I find more and more of who Sarah actually is without it. And to me, that's enough. To avoid, you know, medical procedures because my health, <laughs> health improved, right? Yeah. Uh, to, you know, it, yeah, and, and as it's gone by, more people have been supportive of the decision. It's not just like a a fluke thing, you know. to decided to do, and and I don't want I don't want people to think, oh, wouldn't she just decided to drink. It wasn't like that. It's been a journey, and one that I am so grateful. To have been able to do, Um well, I hope anyone amazing. else that
2: does. You're so inspiring. I love everything about your story. Um uh, thank And like you. I said, I'm excited. I'm just excited for like next summer and to see like when you've really had some time and some training and and kind of what you can do. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate and it. And thank you for for taking the time to chat. Um, if our listeners want to find more of you, where can they find you?
0: Oh gosh, I'm pretty out there. (laughs) Like I'm on Instagram. Um, I am on Facebook. I try to really post stuff like on the and Ultra Ladies page. You know, if it's even if it's just goofy outfits or a hey, beautiful day stuff, things that might inspire to put a smile on someone's face. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm around. I don't do blogs or anything. I kind of figure nobody really wants to (laughs) hear. Hear me talk, <laughs> right? But I'm around. So if anyone does want to reach out and have questions, I'm going to be brutally honest about it. It may not be the answer you want to hear, but it might be what you need to hear.
2: I was just going to say, <laughs> people need that. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. I've got a screaming toddler in the background who's angry that I'm not getting yeah. him. Um, but thank you so much, and I'll thank reach you. out when this is done. I cannot wait to get it out there. And um congrats on your everything that you've done. It's amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for, for doing this and giving me the opportunity to talk about my crazy. <laughs>
2: of course. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. You do. Bye.